Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Here's Chuck Bryant. I'm here. Okay, Chuck, do your best uh, Elvis impression. Man, I don't do that kind of thing. That was actually pretty good, Chuck. That's the last time I'm going to do that during this podcast. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'd um, be really obnoxious. This podcast, by the way, is uh, uh, How Graceland Works, which makes sense, right? Right. Can you do Elvis? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. And I'll tell you somebody else who can't do Elvis. is a guy named Matt Hale. Have you heard of this guy? Uh, it rings a bell. He's a uh, British radio producer um, who just happens to really like Elvis. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day he was going through uh, some secondhand store, I guess in London, and found a white jumpsuit. And uh, his next thought was, well, gee, I guess I'll go spend the next year touring the world dressed as Elvis. And he did. Right. Um, the problem, and he's been everywhere. He's been to, like, Brazil. He was there for uh, Carnival. He, um, he's he been to Ireland, Holland, the U.S. I'm not entirely certain what cities he, he visited in the U.S. As an impersonator. Yeah. Did he? And, and, and he no, not that- necessarily as an impersonator, dressed as Elvis. It's a tribute to the king. So he just travels as Elvis. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I guess the reason I hesitate to call him an impersonator is because uh, he visited Australia. And I guess that's where they have like the biggest Elvis festival, Elvis right. fan fest in the world. Um, and he placed dead last out of God knows how many Elvis impersonators for look-alike and sound-alike <laughs> contests. So I think you may you may have beaten Matt Hale had you had you been there. Right, and I don't even have a jumpsuit. But you know, anymore. I, no, no, I, uh, no. Okay, so uh, you know, um, I'm not. I don't know that much about Elvis. So I've never been that big of a fan. I know it's kind of uh, sacrilege to say that in certain quarters, but you know, hey, this is me. Take me as I am. Right, right. So uh, you know much more about Graceland Elvis than I do. Right? I did. Well, I wrote the article and I've been to Graceland. You've been there. Did, were you were did, were you able to finagle a free uh, trip to Graceland for you know research no. before you wrote the article? No, I'd been there before though, so that helped a lot. My family, actually, my mom's family is from Memphis, so oh, okay. So I went, yeah, I'm I sure went you've a couple been there. Times times. Probably camped there as a Boy Scout in the front <laughs> lawn, right? No, no, no. So all right, so Chuck, tell me. Tell the readers who haven't been to Graceland like me, uh, what is it like when you walk in that front door? Is the is the is the spirit is the stank still there? <laughs> well, the stank is still there. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's unlike any other house that you've ever been to. Probably, like it might it might smack. You know, those of us that are probably in our thirties or older, you know, have fond memories of their houses in the seventies and mm-hmm. the shag carpet and stuff like that. So sure. it kind of smacks of that, but to degrees that you can't even imagine because of course it's elvis and he was loaded you know for the time he had a lot of money yeah he could afford you know gold plated everything and you know shag carpet on the ceiling and on the walls and it's just his taste is well documented right well i mean the jumpsuits alone kind of do it right i mean how much money did that man spend on sequins yeah, I don't have that. I've got a lot of statistics, but I don't have that one. Throw one out at me. What's the best one you got? Well, if we're talking Graceland, uh, he bought the house for a total of $102,500 yeah. in uh, 1957. And uh, originally, it was, it was already purchased by the YMCA, and he dribbled yeah. that number just he, to get the house. He edged them out, didn't he? Yeah, big time. I wonder what the YMCA thinks of Elvis, at least the Memphis chapter. Yeah, I don't know. You know? Because, I mean, he just kind of stepped in and said, no, I'm taking it. Right. He's their favorite son, though, so I imagine they were pretty cool with it. They were cool with it. Yeah. What, what, the house was already named Graceland when he bought it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think a lot of people probably think he named it Graceland, like after his mother, Grace. Mm-hmm. That's what that's, I thought. Yeah. yeah. That's not even his mom's name. 
Mama's no, it's Gladys, Gladys right? Yeah. Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it was the original owners, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Thomas Moore. Um, I think it was the great aunt, uh, Grace Toof, T-O-O-F, mm-hmm. is who it was named after. I gotcha. On the 14 acres there, uh, just south of uh, downtown Memphis. So so take us on a little mini tour. I know um, just from pictures I've seen, really the only extravagance that, that I know from the out from an outdoor view are the gates. But right. if you look at the house, it looks like you know, you'd know you expect to see an old retired farming couple living right. inside there. Yeah, it's a classic revival is the official, like it's the architectural style is what they call it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, from the outside, it doesn't look like much. But at the time, you know, it's this is late 50s. It was... It was the, the nicest house in Memphis at the time. Yeah, right? I mean, that, there may be some debate there, but he always told his parents he would buy them the nicest house in Memphis once he made it big. And he was saying this as a little kid? Yeah, he 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 knew he was due for stardom. Right? I, I did not was. realize that. I always mm-hmm. had the impression that he kind of stumbled uh, um, uh, bottom backwards into it. No, no, he knew he was he was destined for stardom, and he actually bought the house when he was twenty two, which is just crazy when you think about. It. He was just a kid. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. he bought the best house in Memphis. It's very impressive. So so you walk in. There's a foyer. Yeah, you walk in the foyer, and when you're in the foyer, you're actually directly beneath the bathroom. Uh, where he where he passed away, and they don't tell you that on the tour, you know, because kind of a macabre way to begin the tour. Exactly. You know? Look up. Right. That's where Elvis. Died. And uh, so you walk in, and right in front of you are the, are the steps that lead upstairs, and that's blocked off, and was has always been blocked off. Yeah. Can go why? I mean, is there like some sort of you know secret love child that's chained to a radiator upstairs? <laughs> no. Why would they keep it locked off? Well, it, when Elvis lived there, it was pretty much private area too. He always had Grayson was always really busy, and always had tons of guests. And his Memphis Mafia was what his entourage was called. Yeah, and you love those guys, don't you? Yeah, man, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something else. They're very cool. And uh, they uh, there was always just a lot of activity, people coming and going, guests in and out, uh, people working there, obviously his staff. And so his upstairs was his retreat. You know, That's where he went to chill out and do his private Elvis things. And uh, so he didn't let people up there back then either. It was just kind of understood. No one went up there. Right. So, so it's always been with kind those, of closed off. Yeah, keeping with those wishes, it's still closed off today. And apparently, so. this is really creepy. I didn't know this till I studied this. Untouched since he passed away. A- apparently in his bathroom, there's like his toothbrush and the squeezed toothpaste and stick of deodorant that he was using that day. And wow. they didn't touch anything. Do you know what he was reading when he died? Even, sorry, including sweat stains on his uh, pillow. Uh, what he was reading when he died, there's actually a little speculation. I can't remember, but there are two different books in the bathroom, and they don't know which one he was reading. But you, you can find out on the Internet. I just didn't have that. I didn't include that in my article. I'm going to guess 1001 Arabian Nights. That's a that's a real good guess. Thank you. I bet. I think one of them was actually a book on religion and spirituality, if that matters. Oh, okay. Uh, so you go into the, the foyer, the foyer, uh, to your right is uh, the one of the living rooms, the famous one with the 14-foot couch, yeah. the 10-foot coffee 10 table. 10-foot coffee table. That's a lot of coffee. That's a lot of coffee. And uh, then beyond that is the uh, uh, the upstairs music room with like his piano and stuff, which we can, you know, would entertain people. Right. And you, you had also said that, uh, that you made a point that he may have uh, inadvertently uh, created the man cave. And he had like a couple of them, and th- these are the ones that I, w- I was familiar with, like the jungle room, right? Uh, the the TV room, yep. Um, and I think these are just totally beyond cool. Like, to, like start with the jungle room. This sounds just super awesome. Well, yeah, super awesome or super tacky, depending on which way you want to look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's it a fine was, line. Uh, yeah, I think it was the original man room. He, um, 
it was originally a screened-in porch, and he had it converted when he and Priscilla got divorced, so she wasn't a part of this. She always makes a note to say she was no part of the jungle room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's got a, like an African motif. It's got shag carpet on the walls and ceilings and floors. He had a working water fountain that leaked everywhere all the time. Yeah. That he had disconnected because of the leaks. And uh, it was actually, it provided soundproofing, so he ended up recording some music there in the mm-hmm. jungle room. Yeah, you said he, he uh, recorded one album and half of another one there. Yeah, right? half of Moody Blues and I think live uh, from Elvis Presley Boulevard in yeah. Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, that's pretty cool. In and, its entirety. And what about the TV room, Chuck? Three TVs at once, where did he get that idea? Yeah, that's downstairs. He got that idea from President Lyndon Johnson. Mm-hmm. He heard that he... Uh, he used to watch uh, three newscasts at the same time to keep up with things. So Elvis got, you know, he had to have the best. So he had three TVs built into the wall and uh, watched football, apparently, not newscasts. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And he had some, like, uh, pretty cool toys. Like, I understand he had two jets. Yeah, he had two jets. He had one smaller private jet, and then he had a big honking 747, I think, called the Lisa Marie. Which yeah, was, uh, I, I actually know a story about that involves the Lisa Marie. Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, basically, um, I think it was it was 76. Uh, Elvis was sitting around with a couple of his buddies in the Memphis Mafia, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, like a couple of years earlier, they'd been playing a show in Denver, and they went to eat at this uh, this restaurant called the Colorado Gold Mine Company. Right. And they had this sandwich called the Fool's Gold Sandwich. Oh, Have you ever had one of these? No, but... One of my friends threw a birthday party for her husband, and she called it a very partially hydrogenated birthday. Uh-huh. And there was all this wonderful food, like ham dogs, right. um, that, that kind of burger that uh, you serve on a, um, a Krispy Kreme donut as a bun. Oh, yeah. And she also made the Fool's Gold Sandwich. So it's like heavily buttered bread... Uh, peanut butter, jelly, and bacon. Yeah. And then you like kind of grill it. It's the greatest thing you'll ever have in your yeah. life. So Elvis got his hands on one of these things. And the reason they were called Fool's Gold Sandwiches was because they were, they were on an entire loaf of Italian bread. Wow. And they were meant for like 20 people. Right. Like the Elvis Subway. Used, Elvis like ate them. Sub. Right. Exactly. Elvis ate them apparently by himself. Right. Right. Uh, so there's, there's no telling how many pounds of bacon or Did you do like a cartoon? Jelly. Did he shove it all in his mouth? I think at like one a time? duck. Yeah. He just swallowed no biting whatsoever. I believe um, it. But they call it Fool's Gold because only a fool would 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 pay for it. They were like fifty dollar sandwiches, and this is in the mid seventies. Right. So anyway, they're sitting around one night in February seventy six, and um, there one one of the one of the guys in his entourage says, you know, hey, I wish I had one of those sandwiches right now. So Elvis calls up the uh, calls up the uh, the restaurant right. in Denver, tells him that he wants um, I think like thirty of them. And uh, he says that they'll be there in a couple of hours. So That's 180 fire up, feet of sandwich. Yeah, they well they fire up the uh, the Lisa Marie, get uh-huh. in the jet, uh, go to the restaurant. Actually, I don't even think they made it to the restaurant for this special order. The the restaurateur and his wife showed up with the sandwiches, um, a case of champagne, and some other stuff. And I think they ate them in the hangar. Wow! And just for the uh, just for the tab for the food was like three grand. But when uh, you factor in all of the uh, added expense, this one late night trip. This is at like one in the morning for these sandwiches came to like sixteen grand or something right. like that. Yeah, and that today in today's dollar, that's probably that's what? probably like eighteen grand. Yeah, at least. More than that. At least. Well, you know, if he hadn't done things like that, he may have ended up uh, living instead of dying in his bathroom. Yeah, but would he have lived as interesting a life as he did? Well, maybe not. But one of the reasons that, you know, it was well documented that he was on all these pills to keep him going all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, 
one of the reasons was he said he couldn't slow down because he had so many people he had to pay for. He had a huge staff, and mm-hmm. he, he felt very beholden to them and uh, didn't want to let them down, and he didn't want to lay people off. So he just had this killer, brutal schedule you know, later in life when he was really badly out of shape and, uh, and on uppers, on downers to do whatever he needed. And uh, maybe if he had been a little more wise with his money early on, he wouldn't have... Uh, felt the need to tour incessantly like that. But he, he was never at any point poor once he made it, was no, he? No, no, no. He wasn't poor, but he uh, he definitely had a decline later in his career on the Vegas circuit. He wasn't sure. His album sales dropped, and basically the only way to make money was by playing just show after show after show. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you, well, you know, speaking of pills, since you brought it up, I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah, you know, it's kind of tough to talk about older Elvis without the pills, right? Right. Uh, did you know that he uh, he had that uh, famous meeting with Richard Nixon? Yeah, I've seen the picture. You have? Uh-huh. Oh, I got a hold of some letters, right, that he wrote to Nixon, basically saying, you know, I've gotten in with the, I think, the hippies and the um, the uh, Weather Underground and the Black Panthers. They trust right. me. So why don't you make me an undercover uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics agent, right. and I can start busting, you know, some hippie heads. Yeah. Um, and apparently Nixon was like, that's okay, you know, thanks, I, I appreciate the gesture. And finally, um, Elvis starts just hounding him until Nixon finally agrees to meet with him. Like a hound dog? Exactly. I was kind of hoping Sorry. you let that one traipse by. Um, but, and so they meet, and Elvis uh, apparently gets very, very emotional, starts blaming the Beatles for, you know, an anti-American sentiment. Right. He's just not very happy with the state of affairs in America, breaks down, weeps a little bit, uh, hugs Nixon, and Nixon gives him an honorary badge, and Elvis gives uh, Nixon a commemorative uh, Colt forty five pistol. Right. And that was the famous photo? Is that when that was taken? Yeah. Yeah, that, that famous meeting. He was wearing a cape, too. Yeah. He wore those capes <laughs> a lot, didn't he? Well, he's sort of a crime fighter, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it worked well. Uh, yeah, it, a lot of people might think there's some irony there in that he was on massive amounts of prescription drugs. He actually looks like he was on, on something while he was meeting Nixon to become he an undercover absolutely drug Absolutely was, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, the Memphis Mafia guys in some you know candid interviews years later said that Elvis very much drew a line between illegal drugs and prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. He thought... I'm getting them from my doctor, so that makes it okay. Right, right. And he hated um, drug pushers, didn't he? Yeah. Like, he he, he was a man. He loved of, his uh, doctor, though. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. Who who wouldn't? So, uh, Chuck, you got anything else on, on Graceland? No, you know, I just encourage people to go visit. You know, it, it's it's a sight to be seen. It's um, The tour is well worth it. It's a lot of fun. And, and Elvis uh, is buried in the back in the meditation garden, right? Yeah, right in the, in the side yard there. He and his mother and father and uh, grandmother are all buried there. They were He and his mother were originally buried somewhere else, but there was a lot of security issues, so his father, before he passed away, had them moved over. Well, I would strongly recommend first reading uh, Mr. Chuck Bryant's How Graceland Works on HowStuffWorks.com for making the pilgrimage. And stick around to find out which article reminds Chuck of his college years right after this. So thanks for sticking around. Uh, Chuck, which which article reminds you of your college years? Uh, well, Josh's article is called Are There Really Hallucinogenic Frogs? by uh, Kristen Conger, staff writer. So you were um, doing what exactly in college? Well, I had a frog collection. Oh. Yeah. That is not what I was expecting you to say, Chuck. Well, I don't know what you're thinking of, buddy, but I had an extensive frog collection. 
And so this article is uh, just takes me back to the old days at UGA. Well, I, can, I think I can hardly be blamed. You've got the uh, goatee. It makes you look kind of shifty, like you might engage in criminal acts here. Not there. me, yeah. brother. Yeah, well, you can check that article out and uh, plenty of other odd frog and uh, hallucinogen-related articles on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?